Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Topic of Choice podcast. My name is Joey Police. Joining me tonight, some great friends again. As always, you guys know him as Matthew Snotty, network therapist, IT guru extraordinaire. Matthew, how are you? I'm great, Joey. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. And coming for the first time tonight, all the way from Dayton, Ohio, right still, Jim? Yeah, just outside of uh, Dayton. Yeah. Just outside of Dayton, Ohio, my old stopping ground, uh, Jim Kilgore, welcoming to the show for the first time. Welcome, Jim. Thanks, Joey. Great to be on. Appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. Absolutely. Um, Dayton, Ohio. So, so do you ever go, Jim, to the, uh, to the big air show up there? Yeah, it's been a few years, but yeah, it, uh, they normally try to have it in the uh, hottest part of the summer, so it's right. usually pretty, <laughs> pretty miserable, uh, yeah. but uh, yeah. Yeah, I've been a few times in my life. Sure, love playing. I got, I got so to I go mean, one time. I got to go one time. And did you? It was it was fun. I think um, I don't even remember what planes were there, but it was loud, like you said, and it was hot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's either either raining and everything's mud, and everybody's hiding underneath the wings of the airplanes, or it's ninety five right. degrees and ninety percent humidity, and yep. everybody's standing in the shadow of the wings <laughs> of the airplanes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I was in the Air Force for twenty years, so I. I really, uh, I love aircraft, so anytime I can either get to the Air Force Museum or go out to the air show, I always try to, to get there. Yeah, yeah, Jim, yeah. Jim is a, uh, Jim is a, a veteran, so uh, on behalf of my family, and I know um, probably everyone listening, Jim, thank you for your service. Oh, it's a pleasure. Cheers. Um, yeah. So I wanted to have you on tonight, Jim. I know that we have, we have kept up through the years, you and I, and we have um, been able just to, I love the texts. Like we'll go weeks without talking <laughs> and then yeah. like, you'll get the one text from either Matthew, I'll send one or Jim will send one. And uh, I'm not going to repeat any of them, but they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're just hysterical. Just, just to let you know that we're just, the, you know, Hey, thought about you and wanted to yeah. let you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fill in the blank. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And then the quick, how are you? Good. Leave me alone. And then I called it, Matthew. Right. I called Jim. I think it was last week because I wanted to follow up. I had a question or something. And Jim goes, yeah. what are we, best friends now? Why are you calling? <laughs> <laughs> what, twice in one week we talked on the phone? Yeah. What's up with this? I'm not your best friend. Yeah. Stop, stop bothering yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good times, man. Good times. I wanted to have you in tonight, Jim. You you bring a special uh, uh, skill set to the table, which we have not had on the on the podcast yet, and that is from a financial advisement standpoint. So uh, you yeah. are a financial advisor. Um, you actually have your own podcast, which we're going to give a shout out to all the listeners. Uh, it's called the Buckeye Finance Guy. So if you're listening, uh, go on iTunes. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it pretty much where any podcasts are. The Buckeye Finance Guy, and Jim is on there, and he's giving. I think it's like what between ten to twelve minutes per, but it's yeah. it's little nuggets of financial wisdom. Yeah, tell us a little I bit about to, it. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I try to keep it under about twenty minutes. Um, the average commute when we used to commute, I guess, was uh, about twenty minutes, and uh, so I wanted to keep the podcast short so that people could listen on their way to or from work or maybe a short break so they could take it all in and not have to come back to it later, um, you know, and and break it up into bits and pieces. So I try to focus on one topic 
financial topic uh, per week. It, it might be taxes, could be IRA, saving for retirement, any number of things. But, um, but yeah, so been doing it. I've got about uh, 30 episodes, I think, now, and I really enjoy it. I'm learning a lot, learning a lot. Yeah, so uh, I focus a lot on the financial planning side of things because I'm a certified financial planner. And, um, um, you know, so investments obviously is part of that, but the financial planning aspects of it is what the podcast is really about. Uh, let me ask you this from one podcaster to another podcasting is not easy, mm-hmm. is it? No, do you I mean, think it is? No, I, you know, it's funny. I, I, I try to, uh, I try to write a couple of articles a week to publish and, you know, it's like you, you sit down you think, okay, I've got to. I've got to come up with something for the podcast this week. And it, it, it can, it can get to the point where you're pulling your hair out to come up with a topic. And, um, but yeah, it is difficult from a, for me, from a creativity standpoint and coming up with fresh content and that sort of thing. Um, but I really think, um, the process of recording and all that kind of stuff is, uh, is pretty simple from, from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have to do a ton of editing, but for me, it's coming up with the content. That's the most difficult part. Yeah, I think content is content is key. If you, if you don't have anything yeah. really worth talking about, then it, it's tough to keep those listeners. We've probably got two more hanging on right now. For, well, for the... and <laughs> I mean, it, and who were, are we up to three now, Joey? I think we got, yeah. uh, well, hi mom. Hi dad. There they are. Yeah. Hi, here's my two. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, and who wants to listen to a total finance nerd anyway? Uh, it was riveting, part, but... Jim. It was yeah. riveting. <laughs> Edgy, your seat. Yeah. This is him throwing me a bone. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So um, from a financial standpoint, this year has been unlike people say it's unprecedented. It's really not, right? We've been here before right. back in 1918. So so sure. we can't we can't say that, but but I can say it's unprecedented from an experience standpoint, as all of us can. Uh, mm-hmm. Twenty twenty has kind of knocked everyone one way or the other, right? right. And before and, and and we're gonna talk about some some other pop culture things. We're gonna bring some topics in. I want to get Jim's opinion because we we both share a passion for a lot of the entertainment things as well. But I want to I want to stay spend a little bit of time in your wheelhouse, Jim. Sure. From what COVID has done, and what I mean, it's knocked everybody one way or the other financially, bounced them around. You know, mm-hmm. um, whether you're a, a a small business owner or a large corporation, what have you seen that has been the most? Um, I'm not going to use the word stable, but consistent. What has been the most consistent within? the financial world that you see throughout this year? What are you seeing? Mm. Well, are, like far if, as, yeah. yeah. So like if our, our people are, are, are saving, are people still investing? Are, are, are you seeing people continue to diversify or is everyone kind of just hunkered down and said, Hey, you know, we're not spending anymore. What, what has the market done? Because I'm somebody that doesn't follow it. And I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm open to admit I'm ignorant and, and I just am naive to it. I don't know what the market is doing. What have you seen that's been consistent with the market? I've heard days where it's skyrocketed high and others where it's plummeted. 
Yeah, we've had we've had quite a bit of volatility this year. I mean, in March, it it you know the S and P in in a four week time frame, the S and P five hundred dropped thirty four percent, and um, you know outside of that, it's been on a fairly steady climb back. Um, I think the job market bounced back quicker than most people anticipated, and um, you know I have a lot of different friends and a lot of different um, um, parts of the economy and for instance the construction trades those folks can't hardly keep up with demand yeah i mean uh, building trades construction um that part of the economy didn't miss a beat um uh, you know i think what what we did see that was unique to 2020 were um you know, the, the, the careers that people thought, oh, go into the medical career field. Uh, you'll never be laid off. I had clients that were master's level nurses that were laid off because of the because they were worked in dermatology or they worked in, you wow. know, plastics. I mean, so, you know, the electives, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah it, it's it's like, you know, um, they shut down surgery centers and those sorts of things, I think. So from that standpoint, you know, COVID showed us that, gosh, um, you know, the conventional wisdom of go to college and get a college degree and get into medicine or get into something like that, you'll never be unemployed, was turned on its head because I, I have a nurse that uh, is a client of mine. She finally just went back to work, was laid off for nine months, furloughed for nine months. Wow. And, uh, and so, so there's been some of that, but from a, uh, from an investing standpoint, I think, you know, people are, there's two, there's two kinds of people, people that are hunkering down and they're not spending any extra money. They're trying to save and kind of cordon off their, their household finances. And then there were people that saw a buying opportunity because the market had really been flying high for about 11 and a half, 12 years from, you know, the bottom in 2008, 2009, that, um, that, that, you know, had some money sitting on the sidelines. And so they decided to jump into the market and it was good timing for them. You know, they're up 25, yeah. 30%. So um, you know, those were the two things we saw. Matthew, uh, <clears throat> you have been an entrepreneur pretty much your, your, the majority of your professional career. And yeah. I, I know you spent a, a early in your career, small amount of time in, in corporate America, but you went out on your own at a very early age and built your company, Network Therapist, has just celebrated 20 years. Is that correct? Yep. That's, that's true. Yep. 20 years of business. Congratulations. And, yeah, absolutely. And as an entrepreneur, from what you've seen, how did, how did the pandemic from a, uh, from a business standpoint affect your company? Meaning, did you see companies pull off? Did you see a lot of them invest more? What did you see? Uh, the the companies that I deal with are are very diverse, uh, covering all you know anywhere from healthcare to architects to engineers to manufacturing. So my client base, um, a good portion of them were labeled as uh, uh, whatever they were calling it, mission critical or uh, essential. That's what it was. They were they were essential businesses, and so th those businesses, not a whole lot changed for them. And so, because not, not a whole lot changed for them because of the services that I provided, not much changed for me either. So I saw some of the smaller companies 
um, you know, trail off a little bit, but then that, that, that's the nature over 20 years. You see companies come and go and you see uh, smaller companies uh, have good, good years, bad years, good months, bad months. So um, it definitely, it, uh, it, it wasn't um, as huge of a hit as I originally thought it was back in February and, and March. Um, and, and getting back to the investing just very briefly, I did have a, uh, a small investment account that I just had play money, a couple of thousand dollars that I was, um, you know, just kind of buying, you know, stocks and seeing how that they would do. Uh, and if it made money, great. If I lost money, it wasn't a big deal. But as soon as the pandemic hit, I pulled all that money out. <laughs> and I don't know whether that was a good idea or not. But I was like, you know, I, I, I realized how conservative I was at that point when it came to investing once it, uh, it, it looked like things were really going to turn bad. So are you in a, are you? When you say you 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 had a, a small little slush fund for for investing, is it one of those where you're getting online the whatever.com or the app and you put some into it and you're just kind of yeah, watching yeah. it? Yeah, it, it it was a Robinhood account, and okay, so yeah, 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 I had a few. Yeah, you know, you can just you know buy and sell really easily on that. And so yeah, it was just play money that I had put money in over over a period of time. Um, but man, I, I, it scared me. It, and, and, and that has nothing to do with any of the other you know, longer term stuff like the retirement accounts and the kids right. 529 plans and stuff like that. That stuff I didn't touch, but, but my play money, all of a sudden I, I was like, wow, I'm, I might lose a couple of thousand dollars here. And that might be money that could go towards buying groceries, paying out the mortgage, you know, paying the electric bill, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, overall, my business didn't change a whole lot at all. If anything, um, my business was was better off this year. Okay. My, my my business is one of those that that um, stayed very steady during the deepest darkest parts of the pandemic, and now that we've got a vaccine to you know having gotten out today, uh, as of today, I mean business is just going bonkers with uh, you know opportunities and and uh, tons yeah. of work out there. Which yeah, you but, know because I brought you into <laughs> to help me out right. on some yeah. of that stuff. <laughs> so so yeah. I'm on the other side of this from a corporate <clears throat> standpoint where. Had it not been for COVID, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to begin my company. And, Very true. And and that's you know that's the way of saying that that the organization that I was with just could not sustain the overhead. You know, it just it just took it, it was taking too many hits. And um, where at first I thought, you know, <clears throat> this is really going to be tough. It turned out to be, as, as most of these changes are, the blessing in disguise of, you know what, I've always wanted to try this, and 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 COVID is now given an opportunity for, uh, for this to to move forward, and and now Matthew, as Matthew is saying, you know, he and I are working together on on various projects, and it's great, and and I'm loving this. So, uh, Jim, let me ask you this from the standpoint of what mm-hmm. Matthew is talking about the Robin hood app, take somebody like mm-hmm. me, take somebody like Matthew, where we don't have, you know, let's say, you know, tens of thousands to put into the market, you know, small mm-hmm. little funds that we can, that we can, let's say afford if, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to lose a lot of sleep over if, 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 it, if we lose it, how do you advise somebody like us or somebody that's listening and says, I don't know anything about the stocks. Where does somebody start to invest? How do you, how do they become uh, educated? Sure. Well, one of the places you can go to get a, a ton of information on investing and, and that sort of thing is a, is a site called investopedia.com. 
And they have a tremendous amount of content there on investing and and saving and that sort of thing. Um, One of the things I encourage, and I just finished a book uh, recently and published it, and that's one of the chapters in the book, is essentially taking someone who wants to start saving uh, and building a savings and investing program on an automatic kind of basis, whether they do that through Robinhood or one of the other online platforms, it, it doesn't matter. But there are a lot of low-cost exchange-traded funds, ETFs. I'm not sure if your listeners have heard of ETFs or not, but it's, a, mm. it's essentially uh, the, the new version of a mutual fund. And an ETF is traded on the stock market much the same way as, a, um, as, a, as a, just a regular stock. And so you can buy shares of the ETF. They have very, uh, many of them have very, very low expense ratios. And you can set up an automatic, you know, uh, buy sell order. And so if you're depositing money into this account on a regular basis, and then you're just kind of dollar cost averaging, you're buying a set number of shares each month in that ETF. It's a great way to get started. It's a great way to accumulate, um, you know, a, a, you know, a, a nice stash of money, whether that's for retirement or for some other investment purpose. Um, you know, what, what I see a lot of is I, I see a lot of people that, that, that miss out on opportunities for either buying into a business or investing in a rental property or, or expanding their investment horizon because they don't have the investment capital. Um, and and this, this would give you a great way if you put it into like a regular brokerage account rather than an IRA, it would give you the ability to stay nimble with that investment money and have that capital for an investment, whether that's in a in a in a new venture or uh or bitcoin or i mean you, you know it's it's you you never know if you know bitcoin dropped to eight grand today i'd probably throw some money at it um, <laughs> did it uh, go that low because it was oh no it was a, a, yeah it was a, back, oh, okay yeah back back some time ago yeah back some time ago it was down in the seven thousand range but i, I didn't yeah. look at it today but you know, Wall Street has taken note of Bitcoin. And uh, now that Wall Street is paying attention to it, there are all kinds of opportunities for investing in funds that invest in Bitcoin, funds that are investing in the blockchain technology, which is really taking, uh, you know, taking, taking a run now. So, um, you know, there's an opportunity there. We're taking advantage of it, I know, at our firm. Matthew, do you do anything with Bitcoin? No. <laughs> as, as an IT professional and uh, someone who knows technology very deeply, uh, I refuse to have anything to do with Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm curious. You're, you're curious? It's curious uh, oh, to, yeah. I, I first learned of it shortly after it became uh, like a thing. Yep. And mm-hmm. um, I was much more interested in the, the technology and the coding and the software that was behind what created it and actually seeing it as an something big that was akin to an investment opportunity. Yeah. You know, when you, you know, see a, a child grow up into maturity to be an actual adult, it's hard to ever see them as anything other than a child. And that's how I always looked at Bitcoin. It was always just this immature technology that it, it was cool and then had some neat uh, aspects to it. And I suppose that you could say that at this point uh, in 2020, it's, it's mature. Um, but it's hard to get get away from that, you know, seeing it as it was 
10, 15 years ago and, and, and how, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, weird and how volatile it was. And I guess it's stabilized to, to some point um, now, but gosh, yeah, it had such huge swings. Um, as you mentioned, when it, oh, yeah. you know, it would, it would drop super low. And of course there's the, the joke that's um, been around for a while now where I think it was Papa John's or Pizza Hut or somebody, one of these big chains, um, shortly after Bitcoin became a thing, they actually would, would accept Bitcoin to, to buy a pizza with. <laughs> and I think that it was something along the lines of like 50 Bitcoins to buy you know, a large pizza. And someone <laughs> bought a pizza with 50 Bitcoins because at the time, 50 Bitcoins was, or a, a Bitcoin was about 50 cents. Looking at Jim's face right now, the eyes, the eyes are huge. Sorry, man, you're good. It's a delicious pizza. Well, well, and, 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 that, and that's the joke is that now that's considered a million dollar pizza because yeah. that so many yeah. bitcoins were spent on that pizza. Of course, those bitcoins, their, their value then, no one could have ever imagined that they would have the value that they have now, but they they, yeah. they do. And I, I think that's the primary, and, and we're not, you know, we're not advising people to buy Bitcoin directly, although we have some clients that have a, I think Coinbase is one of the websites where you can go open an account and you can deposit some money and, and, and you know, and quote unquote invest in Bitcoin. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it an investment more than I would a speculation. It'd be like, you know, going to Vegas and throwing money on the slot machine. Um, but I think the blockchain technology, and I think you two guys would know better than anybody um, I have a very, you know, mild understanding of blockchain, um, but I understand that 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 it's a very secure uh, way to uh, to transfer data. A- am I wrong about that? Can you can you expand on that for me? Because it, it intrigues me the blockchain technology. Yeah, it's basically <clears throat> crowdsourcing verification of all your transaction records. So everybody's, you know, everybody that's trying to mine Bitcoin is basically doing so by verifying previous transactions. And so as long as everyone agrees that, yes, this transaction took place, then it actually took place. And so that's all that blockchain is. is it's just a long series of computations that is mm-hmm. hundreds, thousands, millions mm-hmm. of other uh, uh, computational entities verifying everything that happened previously. Yeah, it's, it's, so, like yeah, a, it's that's, a digital ledger of transactions. Right. And that's mm-hmm. where the security comes from, because everyone agrees that, yes, this happened. It's not just, you know, person A saying, hey, I bought this from you and person B saying, no, you didn't. And then there's, you know, it's a coin flip as to whether it actually happened. The blockchain verifies that it happened. Yeah. So how could how could blockchain be used? To, let's well, let's use the election. And I don't want to get into a huge, you know, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Yeah. But but how could how could the blockchain technology be used in the U.S. election to to ensure um, you know fairness or you know that 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 the American people's voices heard? It's a, good no, it's a no it's a no doubter. Let's call yeah. it a, let's call it a no doubter. And 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 the answer is it absolutely could be used. And in fact, there are people who are are trying to leverage the power of, of blockchain technology for lots of different things, not just um, election tallies. But the, one of the key things about blockchain is there has to be an incentive for the computational processor, basically the blockchain mm-hmm. or the bit, bit, say a Bitcoin miner, there has to be some incentive for them to spend all this money on 
the computers and on the electricity, which is the, the, the much larger part of it, right. uh, to do all these super duper hard computations. So, mm -hmm. what, so there has to be an incentive. And if yeah. there were a structure in place to incentivize blockchain to, to, to verify votes, yeah, absolutely. There, there would, you know, that, it would it'd be a no brainer. And so, of course, the incentive with blockchain with regards to Bitcoin or with any uh, cryptocurrency is, yeah, eventually you have uh, basically a lottery to get that cryptocurrency yourself, and then it becomes something mm -hmm. that you own and you can spend it. Um, mm. So it's kind of a, a, an, an Ouroboros where it's the snake eating its own tail, but mm -hmm. it can certainly be done in, in other ways. <clears throat> it's just having the, 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 the computational power to be able to, um, and, and the crowd uh, to be able to, to, to crowdsource all the, the 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 various entities that that can be required to to verify everything, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the election's a great way to do it. Mm -hmm. It's a good cool. idea, Jim. Hey, <laughs> might be onto something. I'm not a dumb hillbilly, <laughs> even though I like George Strait. <laughs> hey, I like George Strait. I once yeah. went to the George Strait. It was a festival or a concert. It was held at the uh, where the Cincinnati Reds played. Uh, what was it called? When Riverfront. We Riverfront. Riverfront Stadium. Stadium. Thank you. Yeah. And it was the George Strait, something or other. But it was a nine-hour-long concert, and it wasn't oh just my. George. George was like the last person to play. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. all throughout the day, you had all these country singers come up and stage. And and uh, I was not a country fan at the time, and I was going. Uh, uh, with, with someone at that point who was, and it was just a miserable day for me, but I remember George Strait coming <laughs> at the end. <laughs> well, I, uh, my, uh, so I've been a huge George Strait fan for many, many years. Obviously, it's hard not to like George. He's, yep. he's got, I don't know, 53 number one hits, I think, 54 maybe by now. But uh, Laura, my wife, bought me tickets. Now, he's not touring anymore. He does these in-residence shows in Vegas. And uh, she bought me tickets to go see George out in Vegas and we went together and oh my gosh, that was absolutely the best concert I've ever been to. And at his age, he sat out there and sang for three hours straight. <laughs> and I love it. it. Fantastic. So let me ask you this, since uh, Jim has brought up a great topic segue here and because we brought it up, I want to ask you because I have mine in my head, but I want top two or top three best concerts live. You have to be in there, okay, mm -hmm. that you've ever seen. So, Jim, George Strait, is that number one or is that a top three? Yeah, that's number one for sure. Um, and then I've seen uh, Brad Paisley, who is an amazing guitarist. On that guy top can of play. A, he's, he's an entertainer. He's yeah. hilarious. He's got a great sense of humor. Saw him at Riverbend few years back and then i tell you who else i saw i saw keith urban um at the buckeye country fest at the ohio stadium in columbus is he legit that dude, dude is legit i mean he is another talk about an absolute amazing guitarist hmm. keith urban is an amazing i mean he's right up there with all the best guitarists you've ever heard in my opinion I've always written off Keith Urban because of the, the, you know, he's married to Nicole Kidman, the famous actress. And of course he's Australian also. So he's not an authentic American, you know, he didn't come from the country. Yeah, but Australia has cowboys. But 
Yeah, they have <laughs> cowboys, but he, wh why doesn't he sing Australian country songs? Why does he have to sing he American? Can't make the money songs? like he can. About <laughs> kangaroos, about kangaroos and wombats, right. wallabies. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you, um, I, I was not a Keith Urban fan until that concert, and it, because again, it was one of those deals where it was like a two or three day concert where they had Blake Shelton, Brad Paisley. I mean, they had everybody. And Keith Urban comes out right before, um, shoot, I can't remember his name, but he came out and, and it was the first time I'd ever seen him in concert. And I walked away from there, a Keith Urban fan, because he is yeah. an entertainer as well. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew, what about I, you? Oh, best concerts? Yeah, just well, a couple hey, that, that stick out. You're, you're never going to have heard of any of these bands. I was because... just going to say, these are going to be very obscure bands, but that's okay. Hopefully we've got some listeners, which I don't know if I told you. We've got listeners now in Europe, uh, all stretching as far as Japan. We have uh, Singapore, oh. we have Russia, we have the Ukraine, France, and Italy now. Oh, wow. Well, added. Well, so welcome. I can't say welcome in all your languages, but thanks for listening. <laughs> Go ahead, Matthew. Toss <laughs> Vicha. Um, okay. So second best concert I ever saw uh, was a big name concert and it was Nine Inch Nails in 1994, Okay, which again like has shows. nothing to do. Okay. So this was the Downward Spiral Tour. Mm -hmm. um, a unknown uh, band uh, called Marilyn Manson opened up for him. Oh, wow. And <laughs> yeah, it, it was Marilyn Manson before he was who Marilyn Manson became. Um, and a sideshow called the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow was the other opener for, for Nine Inch Nails. And uh, Jim Rose Circus Sideshow was a uh, group of people who had modernized the old Carney Sideshow. So they did like just crazy stuff, running through the, uh, the audience with uh, chainsaws. And um, pe people nine up. Uh, it was a good uh, family uh, event. Banging uh, yeah. uh, uh, nails into their noses and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, miss, they had Mr. Lifto, the guy with the pierced nipples who lifted up cinder blocks with them and stuff like that. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, but anyway, so, but that was the height. Uh, and, and I could go on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I've seen Jim Rose took a sideshow multiple times since then. Um, <laughs> But the Nine Inch Nails show, that was the defining show. I mean, uh, uh, Downward Spiral was a, a, a huge album. So that was the A number one, or the, the, I'm sorry, the number two um, uh, concert I've ever been to. The number one concert is actually the concert that I met my wife at, which was here in Lexington uh, at Masterson Station Park. It was called Lexapalooza. I don't know if you were even in town, Joey, at the time this happened. This was in, um, I want to say September of 1996. Uh, I was, the, I was in Richmond. Okay. EKU. EKU. The, uh, <laughs> the headliner was a band called Republica. Okay. And they had a song called ready to go. And even if you think you've never heard it, if you've seen any of these, you know, uh, uh Gen X nineties movies, you've heard, heard ready, ready to go. You just probably don't know. And the co-headliner was a, a band called gravity kills, which was kind of like a nine Chanel's type of, uh, uh, <clears throat> Yep, there you go. That's it. Keep talking. <laughs> so, Republica was the uh, the headliner. I met my wife at this at this concert. We've now been married for twenty years, and <clears throat> um, the this song is our. It, it's, it was it wasn't at our wedding, but it's the song that we always play as as the song to remind us of when we got uh, we, when we met each other. So the we song got, is and, ready to go. Yep, ready to go. Yep. Yeah. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it up for a minute. And you, yeah, yeah, you haven't gotten it. to the, uh, yeah, you gotta get, uh, it's getting ready to go into the break here, which is the chorus. And it might build up a little bit. It's, it's a British song. It's, you know, 90s British electronica. There you go. Yeah, I can get into that. 1996, yep. you're, you're, yep. you're spot on, yeah. Love it. They they were in Lexington in 1996. Mm. Our, our our little fair city. Yeah, you know, they weren't playing Rupp Arena. They were playing uh, 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 basically a field out at Masterson Station Park called Lexapalooza. And Do you uh, still have the ticket stub? I don't know. Uh, I was going to give you like but bonus points, but yeah, I have a lot okay. of other ticket Epic stubs. Fail. <laughs> but um, um you know all that to say uh, i could i could probably rattle off at easily another 30 or 40 concerts that my wife and i have been to of, of bands that you've never heard of and it would just bore it. you to hear me talk about <laughs> um you know anything from pj harvey to lords of acid to uh guar to kim lab to Ooh. you know guar yeah, yeah. Guar. i'm familiar yeah i'm familiar with guar I, Whoa. yes, I, I, I have seen war and concert. <laughs> nice. But yeah, so you I, learned, I, 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 I'm getting a little bit behind, more behind the curtain every day, Matthew, working with you. So yeah. you get to see a little more of the wizard. I know. And I, yeah. I have to be careful how far, how much I let you see, because I'm, I'm really worried I'm going to scare you off because you really don't know the depths to which I go. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, Nine Inch Nails and Republica. Those are the top two. That's great. So my uh, top three, I don't know if I can rate them just because they were just so memorable. Um, I have always been a uh, Dave Matthews fan. And in college, I, I think my my record still is at 23 concerts. I went and saw him throughout those years and, and after. And so that is crazy. I was a big, let's see if we can get, <laughs> hang on. Oh gosh, you had to play it. Oh, heck yeah, I got to play it. <laughs> So yeah, a huge Dave Matthews fan. So I saw him many times. And uh, I remember just great, great experiences there and just great times with friends. So Dave Matthews, but then um, I was- Did you ever see, see him at River? I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, did, did you ever see him at, at Riverfront in Ohio in Cincinnati? Uh, yes, I did. Was it in sometime in the late 90s or yeah, about like yeah, 90s? that would have been, 99? yeah. Every time I he was, was there- I, I was there. I was probably at a concert at the same time as you because I got dragged there and I was miserable. Yeah. With a bunch of yuppies yeah. like us. Uh, I was back if there. You I had, was in the back sulking. If you had the money that you spent on all those concerts in the stock oh, market, no. you probably would have a nice investment account. I know, right? But back then, but back then tickets for those shows were like 25 bucks. I always got the field yeah. tickets, you know, yeah. they weren't, it wasn't monumentally expensive. Now I saw Billy Joel and Elton John play together. And that was oh, a, phenomenal, yeah. I bet that, was a that was a phenomenal concert. They played here at Rupp arena. And uh, that was a, that was a great show. And then the, the last one that I'll tell you, which was probably one of the best concerts I've ever been to. It was a last minute <clears throat> day before invite of, hey, we have two extra tickets. Do you want to go for my wife and I? And Matthew, <clears throat> Jim, you might know where this is. We went to, was it Jillian's in Louisville? Yep. Or the No, it was the Palace, the Palace in Louisville. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's the one that's got the blue walls and it's got like a really porn, yeah, uh, ornate, uh, yeah. 
Yes. I saw Cheryl Crow there. <laughs> so, so we went to the palace and who did we see? The Prince. And it was live and it was oh, cool. uh, roughly 60 days right before uh, his untimely uh, death. Oh, wow. And, and it was just a phenomenal show. So, yeah. So, wow. Jim, that was a great segue into, into some concerts. So, thank you for that. Um, hey, man. Worth the price of admission. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so all three of us are Star Wars fans. I want to I want to bring the last segment of the show into this realm, um, because we talked a little business. We're talking a little music. Now we're going to talk a little entertainment. Um, Matthew and I, I know as you can see, Jim through the through the Zoom lens there. Matthew's obviously a huge Darth Vader and Star Wars fan. Uh, Indeed. For those of you listening, Matthew has a uh, basically like the the 501st replica of, of a Vader suit right behind him in full gear. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I wear Vader. I, I used to wear it for about 10 years and I had to stop because I got old and sweaty and stinky. <laughs> yeah. So I literally am not at the level you guys are with Star it's Wars. Okay. You fandom. can admit I mean, it. I love it. I am, I am man enough to admit I am not there. Well, That's first okay. off, don't love, don't let me in with Joey. Because whatever level oh, that I am at, Joey is that times a hundred, right? So I'm Joey's down. level of of fandom, yeah. So I think that we yeah. have a, a a good a good tiering system here. We so do. You know, yes, we do. I'm a noob. I'm a noob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm about I'm about ten above that, and Joey is about a hundred above all of us. <laughs> uh, you know, you guys are being unfair right now because I'm just a, a fan like you guys. Um, I may over criticize and, and be overly critical. Jim, I was telling Matthew through the Mandalorian episodes, I don't know if you've seen the movie or the show on Netflix called uh, The Crown. John Lithgow no. plays uh, Winston Churchill, and I find myself being more and more like him, like that character in regards to what's happening in the Star Wars world right now uh, as, as we are over inundated with... Um, Television shows that claim to be Star Wars, but they they are just not reaching the mark. So before I before I give you any more of my opinion, give us and the listeners your view of the Mandalorian. Me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I actually really enjoy it. I, I guess you know I look at it. Uh, so I was uh, six years old when the original Star Wars came out. Yep. And for me. Uh, the Mandalorian has a has a feel kind of like that original, you know, the 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 Star Wars that came out when I was a kid. Uh, at least when I watch it, it looks like that. And um, I, I personally, uh, the boys and I, because I raised my boys watching Star you Wars. You have four all, boys, all right, Jim? Four boys, two girls. Uh, the four boys they grew up watching Star Wars, and. And so they're always texting me, did you watch the new episode of Mandalorian? It dropped last night. And, you know, normally it takes me a couple of days to get around getting time yeah. to watch it. But, uh, man, we, we all like it here. Um, I understand if there's opinions out there that are totally different than mine, but I, I really enjoy it. I think it's great that, that you're able to <clears throat> enjoy it for what it is. And it's an entertaining mm -hmm. Star Wars show. And I love that. Mm -hmm. It's almost mm -hmm. like, so I've, I've worked in, I worked in the hospitality industry for about nine years for a, a restaurant franchise and I can't go out to, to eat anymore 
uh, as a normal patron because I'm looking at everything yeah. as an operator or as the as whatever lens you put on when you walk in, right? I sure. thought you were going you... to say you, you can't go out to eat anymore because it's a pandemic right now. <laughs> that's true. True that's enough. True, true <laughs> enough. Fair enough, Matthew. That too. But 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 that's how I am with Star Wars now is is because I'm so overly critical. I, I need to I need to just stop and I need to just enjoy it for what it is because the Mandalorian for me has the first season, it was a Babe Ruth knocked it out of the park. They killed it. I loved yeah. it. I thought they have really done a great job. And um there was a podcast that Matthew and I did a couple of weeks ago of, of our review of season two. And, uh, you know, Matthew made, you made a good point and I'm going to let you kind of sum up what you thought it was doing, but they did have some redeeming shows of these episodes last two with Ahsoka, uh, and now yeah. with, um, um, with, with Boba Fett, but Matthew, yeah. You, how, how you yeah, put I think it, go the, ahead. Well, yeah, you're referring to my assessment of the first, uh, three, four episodes yes. of season two. Yes. Yeah. which was, if you're familiar with The Legend of Zelda, the video game, The Legend of Zelda, Legend of Zelda, you play a main character who has a main quest, but you have lots of opportunities for side quests to do all kinds of other things. A lot of them are very fun. A lot of them are very distracting, but none of those side quests have anything to do with the main quest. Mm -hmm. That was what the first three or four episodes of The Mandalorian Season 2 were. They were just all side quests. They were just Legend of Zelda, go off and do something else, do it with people, uh, or with beings or with a goal that has nothing to do with what you're actually trying to do. Um, and so that's how it felt. That being said, Mandalorian last couple of episodes, I felt like has absolutely brought back all the magic of season one. Season one, yes. I agree with you. I th thought that it was you know, absolutely uh, one of the best things ever. Um, and I had, I was listening to another podcast where someone enunciated what I had been feeling but didn't have the words for, which was that Star Wars started out as a Western and it was a Western that was based on samurai movies. That was what the original, uh, the, the original trilogy of Star Wars was all Westerns. Um, and now we've got the Mandalorian and the Western is back. So we had the prequel trilogy, we had the sequel trilogy, we lost all that magic that was just simple stories based upon you know, uh, timeless uh, stuff from the old West. And now we've got it back. You know, you got clear good guys, you got clear bad guys, you got clear goals, you got, you know, things that you need to do to, um, uh, because they're righteous or because they're good or because you have a, uh, a drive or a mandate. And that is, is what, Mandalorian and um, a lot of the other Star Wars stuff that has come out since 1999 doesn't really encapsulate. So I've, I'm a huge fan of the Mandalorian season two. Uh, well, the Mandalorian in general. Yeah. 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 I hadn't really thought about those first couple episodes. They were kind of all over the map, but they absolutely, those last couple episodes, two, three episodes, they've been pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I, I could do without Boba Fett, but. <laughs> You know, in Here's Star Wars, really... every, nobody dies in Star Wars anymore. So I'm waiting for Han to come back. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's true. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can get cut in half and still still be alive. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. Uh, Darth Maul. Really yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Darth Maul's coming back. Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. So, oh yeah. But if I can be just a little bit <laughs> oh, oppositional oh, please, to you, please. Joey, Go ahead, please. <laughs> about the not, whole Boba Fett you. thing. <laughs> yeah. They, okay, so Boba Fett was never the character who stuck with me in the original trilogy. 
he was there. And I had friends growing up who loved Boba Fett, who thought that he was the best thing ever. I was always a Darth Vader guy. Darth Vader had all the, all the cool stuff. But I had friends who, who were huge fans of, of Boba Fett. Um, and so I was, I, I was adjacent to the Boba Fett love. I never really felt it in the original trilogy. Um, I felt like he went out like a punk. I felt like he was kind of played a little bit. And then when they re-released the original Star Wars trilogy and they redubbed his lines with uh, Timuera Morrison and, you know, they gave him that uh, uh, whatever uh, nationality accent. Oh, oh, I well, know. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, no, they, when, they re, when they redubbed um, Jedi and Empire, they gave him the actor who the played the clone accent. troopers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 New Zealand or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, oh, this is just terrible now that boba fett is back he lived through the sarlacc he had the, the dinged up armor and he didn't care that he was wearing you know a, a, a tattooing uh, a dress underneath all of it he just put it on he had his dad bod and he started kicking butt <laughs> i was i really <laughs> thought this is the boba fett that I, 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 I can see now why all my childhood friends loved him. This is what they had going on in their mind that I never saw. This is, they, they put it on the screen. This is what Boba Fett was meant to always be. And I'm, I'm buying into it now. Joey, I realize you don't like the, the, the reintroduction of Boba Fett, but man, I'm really digging it. Look, I was the kid when I played with my Star Wars and G.I. Joes because we didn't have digital media like our kids have now, especially the young kids. I told my kids I had I'd like figures like I'd go out and play like really play like Andy from Toy Story. <clears throat> when my characters died, I literally buried them in the ground to where my parents <laughs> yelled at me, Jim, you know, my mom and dad they are like, we just you just got like four new figures. Where are they? I'm like, well, they died in battle. Yeah, but where are they? They're, they're out we we they're pay dead. good money for those. Dead. Yeah. yeah, my dad's like, no, go get them. You're gonna play with them again. I'm like, wash but them off in the bathtub. <laughs> so for me, um, you know, that's that's been a, a, a tough thing uh, seeing Boba Fett come back, seeing all these characters come back because they're so loved, and it's just a matter of time. Mark my words. I'm gonna say it on my podcast. Today's December 14th, 2020. It's a matter of time before Solo and Kylo Ren come back to life and, you know, yeah, everybody. So anyway, I still love Star Wars. I will always love Star Wars, but I am allowed to be cynical about it in my later years. You're too harsh on it. I am. You I, are, am. I know. You, you, you are, you, you, you've lost that joy of the little Joey who buried Star Wars figures in his backyard and you've become so critical of it <laughs> that you can't allow yourself right. to enjoy it. Matthew is 100% right, and I need to figure out how to get past this. This is a topic in itself, which we will address. Counseling, Joey, (laughs) counseling. (laughs) Tell me about your father. (laughs) Uh, So as we wrap up uh, this episode tonight, Jim, where is the market going with the election that has happened, with with the change that's uh, getting ready to come down the pipe? With the vaccination, are you optimistic? Are you seeing a little more Groundhog Day from a standpoint of he saw his shadow or not? What do you think? Well, you know, the market doesn't like uncertainty. And so anything that provides certainty, you know, this is, this is you know, the election's been decided, the inauguration's happening, the vaccination is coming out. 
you know, those are all things that are going to provide certainty, whether we're, whether or not we get a new stimulus bill, an infrastructure bill through. I mean, those are the kinds of things that provide uncertainty. So if we can get some certainty, I think we still have some room to go in the market. Although um, I do think we're we're from a you know from a very fundamental standpoint, when you buy a stock, you're buying a piece of a business, mm-hmm. and you're buying a piece of that business for its future, not what it did in the past, but what you think it's going to do in the future. And so from that standpoint, I think we have some stocks that are very highly valued uh, at this time. I, I, you know, while we're still invested nearly 100% at our firm, uh, we're watching it very, very closely because, uh, uh, because valuations are so high. And um, so if you've got some capital on the sidelines, maybe you hang on to it. Uh, for a little while till we get through uh, the inauguration and and see what this vaccine is going to do, um, but I, I think we've got uh, I think we got a couple months of possible volatility ahead. Um, but America is is America. It will continue to be America. Capitalism works, and um, businesses will continue to solve problems and improve people's lives. So that's kind of where I'm at with the market. Well said. So, so Jim, should I'm I gonna... reopen my, uh, my, my my Robinhood account? Should I reopen it and and reinvest, or should I leave it closed until March? Mm. Yeah, I think I would I would put some money in the Robinhood account, but uh, maybe keep it in cash or a money market fund to to find a find a uh, pick your spots like a boxer. You know, uh, we see a correction. Maybe we see a ten or fifteen percent correction, which, you know there's there's a 10% correction about once every year. And uh, where we're at in the market right now, we could see a 10% correction and that would be just like a normal Tuesday. Um, you know, so uh, I wouldn't be afraid to invest now, uh, but I would definitely pick my spots. Okay, great. Yeah. Guys, the podcast is called The Buckeye Finance Guy. Jim Kilgore, financial advisor, certified financial planner, uh, Jim, you know that as you've been a guest on the show tonight, you do have to come back as a, a co-guest for more episodes. And we don't have to talk about finances, but uh, we'll talk about other things. And we'd love to have you back if you're willing to, uh, to join in. All right. Happy to come back, Joey. Thanks for having me. You bet. Guys, this is the Topic of Choice podcast. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Jim. And uh, to everyone listening, don't forget to download, rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff, guys. Have a Merry Christmas. We will be back next week. My name is Joe Cruz. Thanks. But if you're really going away, here's some final words from me. Baby, write this down.